Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. I'm Brian McDonald here at Dude Solutions. Today I have two old friends that are familiar voices to listeners of the podcast. I have Bob Bittner and Tony Butler coming back to talk about hurricane preparedness. Gentlemen, welcome. It's good to be here today. Good to be here. Thanks for having us, Brian. So we're in the beginning of hurricane season. June through November, and being in North Carolina, we're familiar with hurricanes. We, we get our fair share of them. So, Bob, I want to ask you, you know, what, where do you start with, like, hurricane preparedness? Okay, well, I think, uh, you know, it's not just hurricanes. There's lots of kinds of different uh, events that can happen to an organization. And so, when you say, are you prepared, are you prepared for what? <laughs> and uh, you, you're never going to get it right the first time, or the second time, or the third time, but there are some basic things that you should do to be prepared. Uh, have a plan. Know who you're going to involve. Know who needs to be involved. Uh, have a communication plan out to uh, the organization and people that are affected by that organization. You know, if it's a school system and there's an event, how do you communicate to the community? How do you communicate to parents and, and uh, students and so forth? So. Uh, there's a, a great deal of preparation that needs to be done that is germane across any kind of a disaster that might happen, be it a fire, a hurricane, a tornado, things that you might have time for, to prepare for, and some things you just don't have. They just come up automatically. And then for clarity, I know you said you might not actually get it right, uh, but that's because the unexpected happens during these events, right? We never know what is going to happen in a hurricane, in a fire, in an earthquake, etc. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know exactly how you're going to be affected by it. Right. But uh, there are some certain basic things, as we talked about in communication, who you're going to call. <laughs> you know, it's the old Ghostbuster kind of thing. Who you're going to call? Who you're going to ask for help from? Who do you need to respond to, etc. And a lot of times when uh, major events happen, the disaster uh, is taken out of your hands. For instance, if it's a major fire and you're the facility manager or director, you're not the one that's in charge. It's the fire chief that shows up there. You step back and you take a secondary role. You provide things for this person uh, who is in charge. If it's a major disaster, and a lot of times when, uh, when we have storm damage, then you are in charge. How are you going to do that? And uh, making sure that people respond are properly trained and prepared. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when there's disasters, volunteers like to come out of the woodwork. Uh, I know personally I've responded to, to many uh, uh, hurricanes and tornado situations and have been prepared. But a lot of times people will come and they want to help, they want to get involved, but they haven't been trained. And so you don't want somebody to get hurt in responding to something. Well, also, you know, you mentioned uh, you might take a secondary role in, in a particular, in one instance and in another, you're actually going to be leading the charge. And I think part of being prepared is knowing who is in charge uh, when that event is over with, right? right? Because it eliminates confusion and then we can start moving forward immediately. Well, there's several phases to this, right? So, Let's say it's hurricane season, which we know, and there's one predicted, and the weather forecasters uh, almost never get it right, but we get prepared, <laughs> right? They don't, they don't really determine the track. <laughs> That's determined by the wind force and everything else, but they do predict, and we might know that we're potentially in that track, and so we have time to prepare for something like that, and so we communicate out. We let people know 
we've had our maintenance staff trained that, hey, we need to have checked roofs and we need to have checked drainage and uh, all the things. We need to have doors and windows protected and closed, and et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the automatic, it just comes up out of nowhere kind of event, like a tornado. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes through, and again, you may touch down here and it might jump a house and hit your building and hit your school or hit your hospital and then jump over and what do you do? And so being prepared for that ahead of time and knowing who and, and uh, uh, how to respond. So you wanna be prepared on the front end. And I always suggest that you uh, have a plan put together. And if you don't know where to start with that, there's a lot of organizations out there that will help you. Your insurance carrier will be glad to sit in, come in and sit down and say, hey, we want to put, help you put your plan together. Here's the things, because what they're interested in is mitigating the financial loss mm -hmm. and helping you put those things together. There's organizations like FEMA that will come in and say, here are the things that you ought to consider. There's things like OSHA. Although they're more aligned with worker safety, they also have some great information about volunteer safety and having people properly trained. And then get a plan in place, get it written down, get it documented, and then bring the team together and do a dry run. And again, you're not gonna get it right because you don't know what you're predicting for, but at least do a dry run. What if this happens? How are we going to respond? Who are we gonna to respond to? One of the things too I'll mention, Bob, is you talked about OSHA, you talked about FEMA, you talked about the insurance company. Any of those organizations that you end up working with that will probably uh, go back to once this event has happened, there's going to be certain documentation requirements that they're going to have. And while you're talking to them, I, I just want to make a point to say you should definitely um, understand what they require in terms of documentation uh, ahead of time so you can be prepared to document things appropriately uh, when the event happens. Because otherwise, um, you could find yourself in, uh, in a second disaster right, and taking a lot more time uh, to possibly get those insurance checks back. Exactly. Right? And uh, I'll give you a case in point. Mm -hmm. When I was with Wake County Public Schools and we had a tornado come through, touched down and did a lot of damage at uh, about 16 of our campuses, and uh, FEMA came in and was reimbursing us for a bunch of work that had been done. Uh, one of the things that uh, we didn't know is when they carried, when we had, had contractors take off trees and stumps and limbs and all that kind of stuff off of our campus, trash that was on our campus and took it to the dump, we had numbers of truckloads. What FEMA was reimbursing us for was the number of tons of stuff. It would have been very easy on the front end to just say, you need to be weighed, give us a tonnage of what you have on your truck and the story. In retrospect, we had to go back through, we had to have some truckers come in, load it up, estimate what that weight was, and then calculate it out over all of that. And so uh, we just can't stress enough, it's kind of tendency just to emergency respond, just to kind of do stuff. But one of the things that I always like to suggest is you have a person that during an event is responsible for documentation, making sure work orders are open, making sure people are using work orders, applying time to it. For instance, even volunteer time can be reimbursed for some insurance claims and from FEMA, all that work that was done, uh, you can get a reimbursement for those dollars with even volunteers. But you have to have that documented. Yeah, I know I've talked to a lot of folks after the fact 
uh, they needed help to figure out, again, what they should document and if, if what tools they should be using to document it, right? Because they an event happened and they did not have those things in place. And because so, it put them in a bad position. It made them vulnerable. And of course, uh, I've even talked to, say, some parishes. Years, I say parish, for those in Louisiana, it was years after Hurricane Katrina had come through. Uh, they were still trying to work with FEMA to get reimbursed uh, for damage to their infrastructure. And because they had not properly documented uh, prior to and even after the event, that they still had not been reimbursed. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a great tip of going to the agencies to kind of see what their requirements are because then, you know, depending on what your, your system is, you can build out custom reports or something that's specific to them and, and you're not having to deal with it at a time where uh, there's other activities going on dealing with the aftermath of the event. Also, I wanted to ask you guys, Bob, you put out a good point about, you know, having that first run-through. Um, and so it's kind of like a fire drill when we're growing up, so we're all prepared uh, or at least know what to do in case of emergency. But, you know, how often should you go back and kind of revisit that and not only say the, the run-through, but also your plan? Well, I think uh, no less than uh, once a year should you have a sit-down, should you look at the plan and say, is it still applicable, and let's run through it. People change all the time, and people's roles change all the time, and people's responsibilities change all the time. So there's new players that come in, and it could be a key player in that role. So uh, annually, you at least should do it. I think it's always a good idea, particularly when at the, at the beginning of the summer, when we know we have a vulnerability for storms, particularly here in North Carolina. Different parts of the country, different things. You know, in, in California, for instance, uh, when's fire season? Golly, it seems like it's all year long anymore. Uh, huge fires on the West Coast. In the Midwest, tornadoes, you know, early, early in the year. Uh, but just things to be, to do it at least once a year and at least to keep your, your uh, documentation up on who is on the team and uh, current phone numbers. People turn, change your phone numbers. Uh, cell phones today are so prevalent and smartphones that uh, that's how we communicate now. And uh, so we need to really look at and understand all those communication tools. But I would say at, at least once a year. And, and to reemphasize too, Bob, you mentioned uh, as, as people change roles, their, their numbers change as they move into maybe a different part of the organization. That's something you should stay on top of, right? As uh, people yes. are moving, you should be updating your documentation uh, throughout the entire year. I wouldn't wait once a year to do right. that. Right. One of the other things that I have done in my organizations in the past is having equipment ready, specifically set aside for a response. We had a trailer that we had backup generators, we had chainsaws, we had water on it, we had shovels and rakes and and uh, ladders and we had rope and we had all the necessary emergency response things that uh, we could just hook to it and go to an event uh, should we need to in a moment. And I would just caution people, it's very tempting from time to time to say, well, there's chainsaws out in the emergency trailer. Go out and get those. And then all of a sudden, you know, they've been used. They're not sharp. They're out of fuel. They didn't get put back. To keep that trailer kind of a sacred sacred trailer just for that. And again, you know, things like water, things like gas that you need to, to take out and, and it'll go bad over time that you want to make sure that uh, quarterly you're looking at that trailer 
and seeing that things are still in date, everything's still in good working order, generators will start, chainsaws will start, etc. Well, I would say you don't want to have to chase those things down after the event because I think minutes could mean lives, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, they're going to be people who possibly are maybe trapped. Um, you know, they're, you mentioned earlier uh, people potentially not being trained. And, again, I think if we're unprepared, it turns it could cost us lives. Right. And, and that's ultimately that's the largest price we could pay. So right. if we can be prepared and save lives, that's really that's the point of this. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, a great time that you can kind of revisit the plan, at least at, exactly. at a certain level to go out there and do the preventive maintenance and, and check and make sure everything yeah. uh, is up and running. We've talked a lot about the documentation that's required and how important it is because, you know, it's going to get tied back to the cost and reimbursement. So I wonder if you guys could talk a little bit about, you know, best practices you've seen with the documentation and, and some of the really important um, points for, for people to consider when preparing the documentation. Well, let me just say, first of all, that in this reimbursement, when we're looking at reimbursement, we're really looking at a cost that in a lot of times, in a, particularly in a public environment, it's the people's money and how we're responsible. And we should get as much of that back from insurance carriers and FEMA that we can uh, to benefit our taxpayers or our stakeholders or whomever it is that's financing our organization. But maybe, Tony, you can talk a little bit about this. It's not just about being prepared for this event, but it's being prepared every day for good data. You know, having a good inventory of your equipment, knowing what uh, the condition of your equipment is, because those are the kinds of things that they will ask you how much life was left in this piece of equipment. Uh, how, how old is it? How much did you pay for it? Things like that. What's the value of it? And uh, just having a good inventory, first of all, of your assets, of your property, etc. Well, absolutely. These are stories that I've heard over the years. Uh, you know, the name of the podcast is Operate Intelligently. And that really is the epitome of what you're talking about, especially when it comes to the people that, that we typically work with, right? People who are maintaining assets, uh, facility assets, infrastructure. FEMA, I know, again, I've heard the stories where they do want to know uh, life expectancy of the piece of equipment. Do you have the PM records? Can you show us that you maintained it properly? Because if we're going to give you money back for this to replace it, we want to know the condition and shape that it was in. If you haven't properly maintained it, um, then there's a good chance you're there's some money you're not getting back that you might have expected. Right. If you left all the trash mm-hmm. on the roofs and the roof drains right. plugged and so forth, and it and the roof collapsed because of excess weight of water, you know you're going to suffer some liability on that and some personal loss because of that. And and I, I like you know when you answered initially Brian's question, uh, we have to be good stewards of the money, especially in the public arena, right? And so I know just from talking to folks day in and day out that our budgets aren't growing, right? We're not getting more money. We're getting less money, yet we have more responsibility. Our our, our resources are finite. And so um, making sure that we're documenting properly and properly maintaining those assets is key, not only to be good stewards of the money, but also uh, when this event happens, we'll be able to get back what we what we should get back because we can prove and show the condition and what we've done as an organization in terms of taking care of those assets. And the interesting thing is, if you don't get that money reimbursed to you, guess whose budget's that money coming out of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to come out of my budget. It's going to come out of the facility manager's budget. Uh, and uh, you're just going to have to suffer through something else. You're going to have to make that 
chiller lasts another year. You're going to have to do something because you didn't document. It's not a good experience, right? It's not something you want to go through. Right. Um, I'll say too, you know, for everyone listening, it, this isn't about say the software that we provide as a company, but any software, it, it's to your benefit to make sure you have some way to track and document. It doesn't have to be a Dude Solutions product or platform, any platform out there, but I urge you to find one if you don't have one. You know, I think some of the key things to document, uh, your assets, your buildings and your locations and your equipment that's there, time spent, number of hours spent on mm -hmm. something, what um, volunteer hours, mm -hmm. uh, pictures are always, uh, they, they all quote, pictures worth a thousand words. Uh, it may be 10,000 words or maybe $10,000 oh, right. <laughs> if, if uh, you have a picture that backs up what you said, both from a precondition and after condition, right? Pictures, you go up and you do a PM on a roof and you t snap a picture and you say, looky here, the roof's clean, the, the drains are clean, great, great description. You've got it time stamped and you, you attach that to your work order. Three months later, you have a disaster and say, here, look, over the past year, we've been up there and inspected that roof several times. Here's the condition. We left it in. You can tell we're doing good maintenance on this. And you mentioned the timestamp. I, I just want to reemphasize that point, too, because it's important that they know when that picture was taken, right? That it's not something that uh, maybe was taken years and years ago, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a recent. More and more on your uh, smartphones, that happens automatically. Yeah. If you're using a, a uh, camera where you need to set the date, again, set the date properly before you start snapping these pictures. That's where somebody that is responsible for documentation when something happens that uh, they remind people, hey, make sure you're doing this, this, and this, capturing all this information so we have it when we get done. But I've talked to folks before where they've made it a part of the PM, right? So on their, uh, maybe their annual PM on this particular piece of equipment, that's a part of the PM. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, they're updating uh, that asset record in their right. CMS. It's kind of hard to measure the roof after the roof's gone. Right, It'll be a challenge, uh, picking up all those little pieces and putting them back together again. Well, those are great tips, and uh, I agree with you. It kind of reminds me of my father walking around the house with uh, the old VCRs and videotaping everything for the insurance company back yeah. in the day and, and giving an narration with it. Uh, but it's definitely a lot better to do it beforehand because you don't, you're not going to have the time and resources to do it afterwards so I just I just recently did that myself I downloaded an app on my phone about my house because I'm I'm completely remodeling my home and so I wanted to get before and after pictures particularly but I thought you know this is I'm really starting to practice what I preach all along of having a photo record of the things I have in my house and while I was going through it, I thought you know I'm gonna take some extra pictures of things that are more valuable than other things just so I have that as a record and uh, those pictures are stored in the cloud somewhere and, and I have access to them anywhere. And I think that, again, is a, uh, uh, something to consider. Uh, that where, where your documentation is stored, how it's stored, how easy can you get to it? Uh, can you respond to it in a need? Are you gonna have reception? Are you gonna have connectivity to be able to do what you wanna do and, and not put a lot of effort in after the event? Mm -hmm. uh, well, these are things, too, that we hope never happen to us, mm -hmm. right? But that's what, that's what gets us in trouble, yeah. right? Because the unexpected happens and we're unprepared. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just t taking the extra effort to get prepared, 
uh, and get these things in order goes a long way, especially after the unexpected happens. And you know, I would, uh, and, and just kind of, kind of summarizing this a little bit, be prepared. Don't be afraid of OSHA, your insurance carrier, your fire marshal, any of those. We all, a lot of times we kind of put the guard up when those kind of people come around. They can be a great asset and a great help to you. And invite them in and say, I want to have the best plan I can in place. Uh, help me with that. Help me with my training. Uh, everybody's dollars are stretched. Training dollars a lot of times are not existent. And these kind of organizations will come in and do it free of charge. So come in and do that. Uh, be prepared. Utilize those things. Don't be afraid of them. Get online. Look at FEMA. Look at your insurance carrier. Look at OSHA. Uh, all kinds of things that are available uh, in inviting people in and, and helping. Well, I'd say that they have a ton of resources. And really, uh, instead of putting, putting your guard up, look at them as a business partner. Right. right? Because um, they can help you um, if you let them. So. And, and just one other point of caution at the end. When something happens, and it's not a matter of if, but when something happens in your organization, don't feel like you have to put everything, yourself and others at risk to resolve something. Take the time to be safe about everything you do uh, because you don't want to compound that by putting somebody's life at risk, by making one disaster a fatal disaster for somebody else or yourself. And so take the time to be prepared, take the time when something happens to reflect and use the plan that you have in place. Don't try to reinvent it on the moment. There'll be things that you have to, there'll be enough things you have to invent on the moment because you won't get everything right. But make sure you work your plan and uh, let people know about that. And I think, uh, you know, this is, is so important, and we've talked about it before on this podcast, but I think it's, it's well worth it to remind people that uh, preparation, good documentation, good help and support, uh, good follow-up and follow-through will make uh, a very uncomfortable situation become more bearable when you need to wrap everything up and, and uh, resolve and get back to normal operation. That is some sage wisdom from Papa Bear right there, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob and Tony, I want to thank you all very much for coming in and sharing these tips and guidance on uh, emergency. I mean, not like you said, not just hurricanes, but any disaster preparedness. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And we are going to share uh, links in the show notes to uh, some of uh, the materials that we talked about, as well as uh, tips to help you get started on your emergency preparedness plan if you have not done so already. And also follow the dude's social media accounts. We'll be sharing out some infographics and other materials to help you um, in the process and maybe give you some tips and tricks uh, in addition to what we talked about today. Um, we also want to ask if you are a fan of the Operate Intelligently podcast, please go out and share it with other facility managers or people that you think might like it. And until next time, this is Brian McDonald from Dude Solutions. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and you can even email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com.